Welcome to Mod Path Chat, the official podcast of modern pathology, featuring interviews with authors and experts on the latest science, technology, and developments in the field of pathology. Your host, Dr. George Netto, is the editor-in-chief of Modern Pathology and the chair of pathology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Here's Dr. Netto. Welcome to a new episode of ModPass Chat. I'm pleased to be joined today by Dr. Sabina Berezovska from Lausanne. Dr. Berezovska is an associate professor for pulmonary pathology at the University of Lausanne and a senior consultant at the Institute of Pathology there. Dr. Berezovska is a member of the Pathology Committee of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, such a, a big uh, name committee, but uh, most people refer to it as IASLC. Sabina's research focuses on tissue-based assessment of lung cancer, and she's here today to discuss her team's recent publication uh, that really made it, uh, because it's so important and such great findings, to the cover of Modern Pathology July issue. Uh, the study is on a novel prognostic score for a non-small cell lung cancer that is resected post-neoadjuvant therapy. Uh, thank you, Dr. Berezovska, for accepting my invitation. Thank you, Dr. Netos. Thank you, George, uh, for inviting me. It's a great pleasure to be here. I'm very happy to talk about our work. Excellent. So let's start in setting the background for uh, uh, those like me who are not uh, up to date on uh, new adjuvant uh, lung cancer or what is the current state of the art of treating lung cancer. Yeah. So, um, well, you might know that lung cancer is a, is, is a very deadly disease and most of the cancer-associated deaths are due to lung cancer, really. And most of the um, patients present with advanced cancer and um, around at least one third um, uh, of those are locally advanced. And there is a clear benefit of including additional chemotherapy or additional therapies um, to resecting the tumor, either adjuvant or neoadjuvant. And by now, neoadjuvant therapy is really the standard in those advanced um, carcinomas. There are some benefits um, over adjuvant therapy. And one of the benefits, which is increasingly also taken into account um, also by the clinician, is the possibility to take what we see as pathologists after the tumors have been resected, after they have been treated by the therapy, um, as an endpoint for clinical studies to see whether the patient or the tumor reacted um, to, the, to the treatment applied. Excellent. So that's, that's kind of where, where the focus of the study is, is looking at those specimens and see if you can improve upon priorly suggested uh, uh, algorithms to, to prognosticate. Can you touch a little bit about what's been done before? Yeah. So usually when we talk about prognostic, we talk about TNM. And this is true in the US as in Europe. <laughs> um, but the problem for the TNM is that in the huge databases that uh, were there to or, or by on which the TNM has been informed have not included neoadjuvant, um, uh, neoadjuvant treated patients. Um, so 
one of the things we wanted to do is to verify or validate whether TNM is prognostic also in this group of patients because we are applying it. And the CAP also says that, you know, you are supposed to apply the TNM on, new, uh, on, on tumors resected after neoadjuvant therapy. But in fact, it was not included into the database which informed the TNM. So there is a little bit, it's a bit discrepant. And um, while we were doing that, we also wanted to validate whether the uh, response or major pathologic response, I will then come to the definition in a minute, um, is uh, prognostic. Um, and we have tried to expand the is the score, which is major pathologic response um, for prognostication in this particular group of patients. So, so the TNM as it stands, uh, as you mentioned, it does not really reflect this population. So you're, you're validating it in this population. And, and we'll come to that in a second. And, and there was a suggestion before force and it's been starting to be used called major pathologic response. And, yes. and you, in this study, you're probably adjusting a little bit the criteria. So, and now you're proposing what, what you're calling prognostic score or PRSC. Uh, as uh, uh, comparing it to those two prior methods. Can you explain a little bit uh, about your population that you tested this, developed this score on, and what are the elements of that score? Yeah, so the population, it, it is a retrospective single center study. So we went through all the files we had uh, in the Institute of Pathology of the University in Bern and extracted all the patients um, who have been treated with a neoadjuvant intent. Those are not all the patients who received chemotherapy before resection. So this was actually a lot of work also validating the data we had in the pathology files with the clinical files. Um, so uh, our cohort is a cohort of consecutive patients resected after neoadjuvant treatment. And we came um, to have 117 patients um, during a period of, I think, 16 or 17 years, 16 years, I think. So a lot of, a lot of, you know, a, a long time span. And that's um, important because this is really uh, a, a relevant uh, timeline, so 2000 to 2016. So, uh, yes. and it's surprising that the TNM did not dip into that timeline. <laughs> Yeah, but surprising, yes, but also, you know, maybe okay um, to not include those patients into the general TNM. I mean, th there are different ways to see it, maybe to homogenize the cohort, it was okay not to include them. So there is a, there is a pro and con for, for, for both way. uh, ways to see it. And, um, and how is the score, uh, what are the elements of your score and how does it relate to majors? So the score includes the T category from the TNM. We don't want to get rid of the TMN. No, of course no. not. But um, and the um, residual tumor, so major pathologic response, and the third part, which is not included into uh, in, into both of them, is the lymph node status. So if there has been uh, after um, application of neoadjuvant therapy, so in the resected specimen, whether there are some lymph nodes positive or not, because this is normally not included into major pathologic response. I see. And uh, so, so as far as, uh, go ahead, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. 
Oh no, we have a point, we have some point values and um, according to the point values, we had a low risk and intermediate risk and a high risk group. Correct. And, and that's what I was going to ask. How, how, do you, how do you score your points? So in each one of these elements. So uh, the T um, stage, this is, um, so, so zero points is up to uh, YPT2A. So either the tumor reaches or is less than four centimeters big or, and does, uh, or, or it can be also smaller and, uh, and invade uh, the, the, the pleura. And anything which is beyond, which is bigger, so starting with uh, PT2B is getting one point, then if the patient has a positive lymph node, he or she gets one point, and then the residual tumor. So we have, uh, so classically, we have um, included the classical major pathologic response, which is with a cutoff of 10% viable tumor. But we have also looked at the, the best cutoff in our cohort, and then included the histology of the tumors and had a look whether in adenocarcinoma versus non-adenocarcinoma, we would get the same optimal cutoff um, for major pathologic response. Excellent. So, so in, to, to simplify it, basically you're giving zero point if you're less than YPT2A or equal, yes. one point yes. if you're above that. And yes. you're giving zero point if you're YP and zero and one point if you're above that. And then yes. looking at the residual tumor, you developed a couple of cutoffs according to the histology, whether you're adeno or non-adeno, but within the non-small cell category. Yes. And, uh, and those, if, if I'm reading it correctly, for the, uh, ad, for the adeno is 65% cutoff. And for yes. an adeno is 10%. Can you explain why, why is it different? Yes, this is actually a second point very dear to me, uh, or the second result which we got from the paper, that um, the optimal cutoff for major pathologic response is different in adeno versus non-adenocarcinomas or classically squamous cell carcinomas. And in our cohort, um, the, the non-adeno was 9%, so 10% is okay for us. And the um, adenocarcinoma was 65%. And we are not the first ones who are reporting this. So there was a um, publication in 2019, I just opened it up from uh, Q and colleagues um, uh, published in Journal of Thoracic Oncology, where they have also seen exactly the same cutoff for adenocarcinoma, 65%, which is really super cool because it's a completely uh, independent cohort from New York. And there is another one which has recently been published in Modern Pathology, a group from China, so a completely different continent. Now we are on mm -hmm. three continents who have also seen that there is a different cutoff um, for adenocarcinoma. They have not seen that it's 65%, but 58, still over 50%, not 10. And this is amazing. And I think one should really go into this. So... So the, just to make sure I understand, the 65%, so you're saying if it's only, if only a third of the tumor shrunk, basically, right? Yes. So you don't need to get rid of the 90% the of the tumor, which no. is the case with the 10%. So you, if you get rid of 35% of the tumor regression, that's, that's good enough in adeno as, yes. a, as, a, as a positive prognosticator. That's amazing. Yes. 
That's fantastic. But of course, I mean, those are comparably small studies. Also, yeah. the other ones have uh, some more patients included, but still, you know, this, this needs to be validated. But I think there is something in it. And I think it's even maybe even logical because squamous cell carcinoma has the tendency to get necrotic, to get fibrotic and everything. So maybe we are like, in a way, overestimating the therapy effect and some of this fibrosis, necrosis, inflammation is tumor specific, even without, um, with, with not necessarily uh, therapy associated. Excellent. So when when you do that scoring, uh, and you mentioned that that you have then uh, three a low risk, a intermediate risk, uh, and then a high risk, right? So basically, if you have uh, zero to one point is low risk, two points is intermediate, and three points. And what does that what does that reflect in terms of survival if if you do it this way? Uh, so it stratifies, um, stratifies very nicely and um, in a model comparison, uh, comparing uh, TNM or the eighth edition of the, or the, the, the current edition of the TNM classification, then only major pathologic response adapted or non-adapted, it doesn't matter. And our prognostic score, the prognostic score was much better um, stratifying the patient according to survival. All right. So what do you what do you see as the next step? How can you even further refine this? Well, there are multiple or there are a couple of next steps in this topic. Um, um, I think one um, positive um, or another positive um, positive issue um, of our study is that we have easily included the nodal status of the tumors into a score. There are some very interesting and very nice publication looking at regression or the, the prognostic value of actual regression in those tumors. Um, but this is a little bit you know, more sophisticated. So ours is super easy. Is it positive or is it negative? And we have not- You're talking um, about the nodes. You're talking yeah, about the, about nodes. the nodes, about the nodes. And actually what I find also very interesting, we have not invented this score, but we have, I must say, taken this um, and applied this from the gastrointestinal tumors um, of or tumors of the upper gastrointestinal tract, where this was already um, evaluated, and um, there um, it seems a little bit. It's a little bit like in budding. We are a little bit behind. <laughs> um, they have also looked already on the or at the um, lymph nodes after or is, uh, in, in tumors resected after neoadjuvant treatment and they have also this um, this yeah this the, the question is or uh, is still pending whether regression in those nodes is really prognostic you know pattern or the percentage of regression you may say or whether those are only positive negative Similar to what and you found. It's yeah. still pending. I mean, there are there are some studies with, with, that, that say, yeah, yeah, the, the 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 kind of regression is necessary, but there are big studies underway which seem to contradict this issue, and it may turn out that 
it's positive versus negative. So one step NGI. ahead, yes, one step ahead, which I think is very important, is to have bigger cohorts, to have prospective cohorts, to have clinical uh, study cohorts, because we have a very, um, due to the fact that this is a real world um, um, uh, patient population, we have not very homogeneous um, chemotherapy um, regimens applied. Also, most of the patients had like the same thing, but but, but, but it worried a little bit, uh, it varied a little bit. And I think it's- Bigger studies. True. One thing. Bigger study. And I think one one point uh, that you mentioned before we got online is, is that uh, this did not include uh, patients with immunotherapy, right? Correct. Correct. This did not include. So one of the other steps, which will be very necessary to do now, because as I hear from my oncologists, they will... Um, apply neoadjuvant immunotherapy in every patient. So this will is coming to be the standard. So th- there is a need to validate all our results in cohorts um, having received um, immunotherapy. And there are big studies ongoing already. Um, as I know from the US, I don't know, there was a very nice publication or there was a very nice talk at the ASCO this year uh, by um, Dr. Sanya Dacic, <coughs> where she was talking about the big study con- uh, now um, uh, with the uh, first results um, conducted in the US on big clinical cohorts um, or clinical trial cohorts where they looked at the regression after immunotherapy. And the third thing I think is going into the digital field and making our life easier. <laughs> and, and evaluating regression because yeah, Clearly, the pictures uh, that I mentioned on the cover, you know, you, you use multicolor and uh, circle areas of tumor uh, with blue so areas of necrosis with yellow and then green areas for the cholesterol clefts. Uh, we don't have time to go through the elements of what's necrotic and then also vessels. Uh, so what you're saying, if, if, if we can have an AI system that just look and, uh, and, and give you an accurate reproducible estimate, right? That would be fantastic. And many groups are working on that. <laughs> but we don't want it to be too fantastic and lose our jobs, right? Still- oh, I'm not, I'm not worried. Good. And uh, <laughs> the other thing is, is, is a good opportunity to talk about how you sample, how we're supposed to sample these tumors. Uh, can you just uh, quickly, we're running out of time, tell us uh, what, is, what you recommend in those specimens uh, for us to do? George, that's a fantastic question because there are no real evidence-based criteria, but what uh, the IASLC is recommending is that um, you include um, all of the tumor when it's uh, less than three centimeters. And uh, if, if it's bigger and of course it's not possible to include the whole tumor, then the, the biggest or one uh, cross-section of at the biggest diameter or the largest diameter. But it's it needs to be um, taken into account because usually as pathologists, we are not including necrosis. And those are the tumors where you need to include necrosis Correct. to be able so, to, uh, to to validate it better. Yes. That's a very so, good this is, so, yeah. so you look at the tumor bed, basically, regardless if it has necrosis or not. And if it's less than 3 cm or less, you, you embed it completely. You section it and put it in paraffinum completely. If it's above... So we, how about the one block per centimeter? Is that is that the rule for above three cm? That that is the rule, yes. But okay. they say also that you should include, you know, one whole um, slide slice. A whole section. And, 
Yes, a whole section and optimally also take a photo of it. Excellent. Well, uh, I'm sure uh, this is uh, such a hot topic. And as you mentioned, uh, there is a subsequent publication in Modern Pass uh, this month or upcoming months that's going to appear. And uh, you mentioned the ASCO study. So uh, we're going to hear a lot and maybe we can have a follow-up uh, meeting to discuss the different scores and, uh, and which score is finally uh, going to be the one we adapt every day. It's been a pleasure to have you and uh, thank you for uh, your support of the journal and for accepting uh, to do the podcast and uh, I look forward for future interactions. Thank you, George. It's been a real pleasure. <laughs> Any opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views of modern pathology, Springer Nature, UAB or USCAP. Your ModPath chat host and scientific director is Dr. George Netto. Producers are Christina Crow, Amber Jackson, Dr. Sarah Jang, and Dr. Catherine Ketchum. Technical direction is provided by Kaminsky Productions, music by Mitch Neubauer. Thanks to the authors, reviewers, and editors of Modern Pathology for making this podcast possible.